It's June 27th, 2022. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode 188 of Rook. I'm Gian Gomeshi, hope you're keeping well. Wherever you are tuning in from around the world, hello to you from Toronto, Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz, Hello, Fabius Kion. Hi, Gian. Hello, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. And hello to Happy, Happy Birthday, birthday to, to you. Happy Birthday to you. Groovy Shia is the birthday boy. Hi, thank you. Uh, he's got his hoodie on in case it rains in the studio. <laughs> you are uh, the coolest, uh, well, I don't even know, should I say your age? The coolest 30 something. 30 something, yeah. 36. Yeah. Aren't we all? Are you 36? Yes. Oh. Oh, yeah, actually. Yeah. All right. 36 year young 36 years Uh, and um, the obligatory and kind of inane question uh, how do you feel do you feel any different today Um, not today but like yesterday I felt a little bit different I Uh, think I think I'm in I definitely feel that I'm I'm in a new path of my life okay The big turn at 36, yeah. that's, yeah. Uh, the, oh. I don't know, 36 is, <laughs> never heard of that before. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the big, the big, the, the fork in the road yeah. at the age 36. No, but you? I think it's also coincided with him like settling down. Oh, there's it's a lot of things going years, on. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, that's but awesome. as the uh, resident philosopher king of our, uh, <laughs> of the Rook Media Empire, I mean, you're less a philosopher, I have to admit, without the the Gandalf beard. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, clean-shaven sure. Shia, yeah, I just yeah. don't believe him as much <laughs> as a philosopher. <laughs> but yeah. as the as our resident philosopher king, how do you um, do? Are you someone who feels a little, um, I don't know, misty-eyed? Little, uh, is it difficult for you a birthday, or is it something that you I, see as an opportunity? Do you? So you know, uh, as probably you may know, I have a twin sister, which mm. so it's her birthday today, and also my father also his, his birthday. <laughs> oh is, my god! Yeah, so I'm oh. sharing my birthday with two other people in my family. So honestly, it was like more like Christmas for me. You have to happy birthday to. Yeah, I mean, you have to. Yeah. So and <laughs> I don't feel anything special about my. Mm. Birthday, yeah, because it, it's not for me. So. Yes, it is. You're special to us, Shia. There's only one Shia for us. Uh, we love you, Shia. Thank Happy you, birthday, buddy. And uh, yeah, I've uh, we well, we'll give you something later. How about that? Oh, amazing. Something you nice. just gave like Sounded ominous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I we will give you something later. <laughs> but, uh, by the way, it's you're COVID. fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> your walking papers or your pink slip is uh, in the other room. Uh, <laughs> this is conversations from to and about the Iranian diaspora. So today, Dr. Sina Judabchi. Now, if you are a legitimate doctor, if you are somebody, however, who uh, more than a legitimate doctor, a very celebrated doctor, but if you're someone who um, is a fan of uh, these doctors who are big on social media, this guy is right up there. He's, you know, millions of views 
on wow. TikTok and on Instagram, etc. But in this case, for being a doctor, for wow. actually doing doctor kind of stuff, uh, doctor kind of stuff. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the uh, what, what has happened to my faculty? <laughs> the, the, the the doctor kind of stuff. I feel like I'm watching Joey from Friends. <laughs> yeah, he's doing the doctor kind of stuff. Uh, an otolaryngologist, Keon. Mm. Try saying that, Reza. Otolaryngologist. Otolaryngologist. Unless it's otolaryngologist. I don't, no, which I don't think it is. Uh, specializing in disorders of the head and neck, ranging from hearing loss mm -hmm. to cancer. So if you've watched Dr. Cena, he just goes by Dr. Cena, uh, young, handsome guy. Mm. Uh, Keanu, Why are you looking at me? I, I, I have, uh, a, I have a handsome doctor. Whose name starts with an S. <laughs> I have my own, thank you very much. <laughs> well, in case you wanted a collection of them. <laughs> I understand Dr. Cena is very happily married with children, yes. but, you know. <laughs> he's implicated. Uh, Dr. Cena, um, he... he actually takes you into the operating room in some cases. Uh, he explains he's very powerful when it comes to talking about hearing loss, which I'm kind of sensitive about mm, as a yeah. former uh, drummer. touring drummer who's lost some hearing. And yeah, so I mean, we'll get to all of that. He's in, he's in um, Florida. Joining us in a few moments, Dr. Sina Jurabchi, uh, social media sensation slash um, fabulous surgeon. Happy Pride. Happy it was Pride, Pride weekend Pride. in uh, a lot of our parts of the world, yes. uh, uh, in Toronto. That's I know right. you were out and about, uh, uh, Reza. Yeah, yeah. I think you're I just was. just waking up from it. <laughs> I just, Your hey, voice still sounds like, like it. He's just I'm just recovering from the gummies, yeah, or something. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't do a lot of gummies yesterday. Maybe some, but no, no, I'm joking. You were shooting at Pride. I was shooting, at but Pride, I hope you were yeah. having fun at Pride too. I was having the time of my life. How Honest to it? God, it was the best experience, yeah. and I I haven't so. I, Pride, Pride I is the, the best experience. Here's I've always said that's where you, uh, you know, you should take kids to Pride. Have you been more than once? Many, 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 many times. times yeah. You see, I, I only, I've only been, I'd only been once, and that was like 16 years ago or something. Wow. Like, that. I, like, I just come to Canada. I was interested to see what. It's How like. do you miss it the other years? It's I like didn't it takes go over after because uh, then it was, and it was like such a. And I went late at night, and I think I went to the wrong part of the city. <laughs> I don't know. I was new to Canada. I thought mm. I was. I was. There was no Google Maps. In, in Chia, in that's what I, yeah. I think I ended up at like Jarvis and Bloor or something. Mm. Like it was, and it was like crack whores and mm. stuff on. The, so it was. You, you it wasn't not right what in. Toronto Pride. No, is yeah. no, and it was like one a.m. It was a right. wrong part of the city. Right, right. So I was like, nah, it's not for me. Mm. I'm not like, interested in that until. I have a very dear friend of mine who's an LGBT um, uh, part of the LGBTQ community uh, and he's a trans and wanted to do a documentary and asked me if I want to do it for him and I said yes but in September later so but I forgot that pride is yesterday uh -huh. and I needed to some b-roll shots insert shots uh -huh. of people dancing to put in the film it so excited you thing. were about Pride that you haven't gone for 16 years and you forgot it was yesterday. I but, wasn't looking yeah. forward to it. That's why I kind of forgotten about oh. it. I was like, I ah, just go. It's like a thing. Whatever. We got to go shoot. And then I, I went and I fell in love and I yeah. loved it. It's a celebration of, of it. 
My parents came. Oh, no joke. Yeah. yeah, they were at the, they were downtown, out and about, and then I ran into them at mm. Dundas That's Square. Cute. They were like, "What are you doing here? Like, what are you guys doing here?" You ran into your parents. I ran pride. into my parents. That's a first. <laughs> that only happens to Reza. <laughs> That's a, it's not. It's not the most common phrase said in the Persian community, I which I, I love it though. I know. I, like I went it? to Pride and I saw my parents. parents. Yeah. And we're all straight. That's what's interesting. Wow. <laughs> how, how did your parents like it? They loved it. Yeah. My dad, he couldn't get enough. He brought a bag of tohme. Okay. He was like popping tohme, <laughs> clapping, dancing. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. I miss my fantastic. dad now. <laughs> my yeah. dad fantastic. would love that too. Uh, were you, did you partake in Pride, Shai? Uh, actually, I didn't know, but yeah. I mean, because I was traveling from East Town to West Town and I found you got caught one. up in the yeah. euphoria. Yeah, and so it was amazing. Uh, I was in New York and there was oh. Pride Pride oh. uh, in New York as well. So Is it the uh, same time as here? It's yeah. the same Day? weekend, same apparently. Week. Yes, uh, Reza, deduction. I was in New York yes. and it happened yes. there as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, uh, I just woke up. <laughs> I know, I know. It's been a <laughs> long weekend for you. It was... It was um, it was great. It was really, really fun. There was a lot of, uh, that you know, New York. It was a very hot weekend, and yeah. so everybody mm. was out in the streets. And but I also went to two concerts mm. in New York that were very different from each other. Okay, I went to uh, uh, Ali Azimi, our friend, on Saturday oh, night. Nice, uh, nice, it was. Nice. It was. They just finished their New York or their their North American tour this weekend. Their last show was last night in Washington D.C. But of course, Ali and Paymon Salimi, who we had here recently on stage, and Yahya, the great drummer, and which so, one, which one was better, Toronto or New York? Uh, mm, honestly, especially I think, crowd. Oh. I'm asking about the crowd. well. The crowd in New York was great. I mean, Toronto was a much bigger show because the community is much much bigger mm-hmm. here, right? Um, so I, I I fancied the Toronto show more because it was uh, kind of epic. But uh, New York was fabulous. It was a great show. But um, so that was that was lovely, and it was nice to see Ali, and they did a great job. And everybody should check out his new record if they haven't already. Um, some amazing songs that are just natural sing-alongs you notice that when we went to the show in yeah, toronto too yeah, I know. people just singing along to all these songs uh he has an he has a knack for that uh uh, and he may be making an appearance in yeah. um, um, our new right. series That's that right. we are uh, that we've been teasing, but we haven't announced yeah. yet. Yeah. But um, but on Friday, the night before, uh-huh. I went to a very different kind of concert, <laughs> which was which was uh, this this epic stadium tour of Def Leppard, Motley Crue, wow. uh, Poison, and Joan Jett. Now oh, I was God. guessing. That you probably don't know any of these bands, do you? Do you? Reza? I know Molly Crew. You do know Molly yeah, Crew. Yeah, I know right. Molly Crew. Because right. of Pamela Anderson. <laughs> no, no, I don't know them. I've heard like. You maybe heard a song or two. Is, yeah. I heard their song on the radio. It pops up. And and Keon, you would know them because you grew up in the yeah. West. You, yeah. I mean, these are these are eighties and nineties yeah. bands, you know. Yeah. But they kind of. There's a there's a fun nostalgia yeah. about going to see them, you know, yeah. and you would know some of the big and, and I texted uh, Shia from there, and and I was surprised he didn't know the names, but then you ended up knowing some Def Leppard songs, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's punk rock, right? No, oh. it's not at all punk rock. It's very very pop rock kind oh. of. I mean, Motley Crue were um, our campy kind of tattooed yeah, black, yeah. you know, and heavy rock. And Def Leppard are, and Motley Crue are American, and Def Leppard are British, British rockers, you know. But they were, like when I was a kid, and I was into punk rock and, and Bowie and stuff like that, I didn't like these bands, because they were they were yeah, too pop, yeah, yeah. too, you know. But it's really fun to see them now, and I, I do love the songs, and it was a campy experience. But one of the things that, so it was in City Field in New York, 50,000 people, wow. not one fucking Persian. 
<laughs> no, of course. No, I don't think there was one Persian there. I mean, other than me and my friend. I, I, You know, this falls into the category, this music, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, into that category of rock that even though Iranians know Michael Jackson and some stuff yeah. that was happening in the 80s and 90s, this was the kind of music that never made it, never crossed over. And so even though these are huge bands, not a lot of Persians, I know there's some Persian fans of Def Leppard and Motley Crue, but, but, but looking around, extremely white it was an extremely white audience age demographic what would you say amazingly very diverse yeah i would have expected it to be you know boomers or, or mm-hmm. gen xers and stuff but yeah. there's a lot of young people there i think because motley crew like tommy lee like yeah, yeah. people just think they're kind of cool so there yeah. was all these like and a you new generation on the radio a lot so. yeah so there's like a lot of like 20 year old like rockers you know mm-hmm. people dressed mm-hmm. up like it's the 80s or something yeah. you know um but so that was pretty diverse but but very very very, you know, why I might even say MAGA, like wow. MAGA yeah, yeah. yeah. And Motley Crue at one point said, You can't cancel us. And you know, <laughs> no they have like girls dancing on <laughs> stage so and whatever. Funny. Yeah. Um, so so that came but what what was funny about that is I I I was telling um, somebody at the Ali Azimi show about the Motley Crue, one of the guys in the band actually, and they were like, Yeah, there was there was no um Khariji at our show. Which means uh, foreigner. Which means foreigner. Now, we've <laughs> talked about this before, and I'm not, of course, indicting the, the Ali Azimi band because there's, you know, this is uh, something that you hear Persians say all the time in the diaspora, which is that Persians, if you're new to this yep. and you you know, and you don't speak uh, Persian, Persians call non-Persians yeah. foreigners, yes. even though we're not in Iran. We're yes. in Canada or yes. we're in the U.S. Yes. Yeah. And we've joked about that before, but I was actually thinking about this and thinking about how it's really quite absurd. You know, it really speaks to an Iran, a Perso-centric, I don't know how we would say it, an Iranian-centric view of the world. Because I was thinking, like, if you and I, Reza, went to, or, or me and Keon, me and better, mm-hmm. we went to um, Shanghai, you know. Mm-hmm. If you and I went to... Um, Rwanda, you know, and we were in a cafe with a bunch of Rwandans. I'm not sure that in English we would say, look at all these foreigners. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's inconceivable to me that I wouldn't go to Germany and go to a concert of Germans and say, look at all the foreigners here. I know. Right? I knew I would be keenly aware that I'm the foreigner. But Persians. I know. But you know why? What do you think that's about? I think because we're Iranians and everybody else is Khariji. That's, that's right. Non-Iranian. <laughs> that's, yeah, I'm Iranian and you're not Iranian. You know, so the, you, 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 you'll know who the great uh, filmmaker Werner Herzog is, right? Yes, of course. Yeah, I you love probably, him. Yeah, you know, and a fantastic actor. So, uh, so I was once interviewing Werner Herzog. He's a uh, great, amazing, uh, I guess you'd call him art house yeah. or alternative filmmaker of German, you know. And, uh, and I said, you are... Um, you know, at the top of the heap of alternative filmmakers, and he said, I am not the alternative. I am the center. Everyone else is the alternative. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing. You know, it's like, uh, you know, Iranians, so we're the, you know, we're the center, the rest of the Kharajiya. What do you think it's about, Shai? Um, <laughs> it, maybe you would laugh, but for, uh, imagine you go to Thailand, for example, yes. and you go to a, like a club, and there is a lot of white people. So 
you would say there is a lot of Kharaji there but you mm. don't call Thai people Kharaji yeah. particularly we, we call Kharaji white people we call them Kharaji oh I see yeah. Mm. Yeah. that's right like we don't say so we don't we're not we don't call immigrants who are you don't uh, say Turkish people no, we, we don't call immigrants of color Kharaji mm. no. Uh, no. no we can like we we, to their so we're really talking about white people yes <laughs> So it's got to be makes it tied, even worse, I think. It's got to be tied to history somehow, like maybe, you know, at the beginning beginning of like traveling when You're But Khariji means Khariji means foreigner. Yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the that's funniest the part because they're you know, ostensibly picking the people that they identify as the most who've been here for generations and saying the foreigners. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Fascinating. Maybe there is another reason because uh when like let's say 100 years ago people would immigrate to Kharaj and they don't uh, travel to like China they would travel to Paris mm. London and you know the uh, European cities so maybe Kharaj came from that thing. I, I wonder if it's, it's that deep-seated it is I think it is because my mom was talking about like she was like I didn't even know can what Canada was when I was like a kid she's like all I thought what's Kharaj was when people said we were going Farang mm. we're going abroad it's uh, it was basically France, mm. Germany, mm. and England and America. That's and they're it. all Kharaji. They're all Kharaji. Mm. These four countries. She was like, I, I didn't like I never heard any of these countries. So Which is sort of weird because even Canada now, the face of Canada isn't necessarily a white person. But that's a that's an antiquated idea of what <laughs> Canada is. But mm-hmm. Uh, it's because it's really a country of immigrants that is, I mean, even Toronto, uh, the majority of the people who live in Toronto were not born in Canada. Exactly. You know? So, yeah. uh, l- 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 yes, sir. Like if you travel to India, you would say Maraftam Hand. But if you travel to Paris, you would say Raftam Kharaj. Kharaj. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's true. You can't go to Kharaj and that be China. No, you could say Raftam What about, what about Russia? Raftam Dakhil. You went inside. Yeah. You didn't R- go R- for Russians or Russia white? Russia is interesting. Yeah. I, I would say we call it Kharaj for Russia. Yeah, By the way, we got a you, Reza. You wanted there was an interesting letter we got because we ran a a part of our yeah, interview yeah. with Tehran uh, about race, actually yeah, race did. issues yesterday, and and we got an interesting letter. We'll get to it later in the 100%. show, but you want to talk about it? Of course. Uh, anyway, I didn't want to go too far into the rabbit hole on the Kharaji thing, but I thought it was uh, yeah. an interesting thing. Lots of Kharajis at the uh, Motley Crue show. Uh, that's all I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and Def Leppard. <laughs> we are coming to you on rookmedia.com. It is there that you can link to all of our platforms. We're on our ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and Castbox. If you'd like to see some visuals with Rook, switch over to YouTube. And if you like our uh, your Rook descriptions and bulletins in Persian and in English, check us out on Telegram, all at Rook Media. Again, our website, rookmedia.com where you can actually be a supporter of our show and become a patron at our website, rookmedia.com. If you haven't checked out the website, go do so. It's all there, all of our previous episodes, different programming, uh, videos, funnies, etc. We're going to get to Dr. Sina Jurabchi in just a few moments. I should note that later in this show, after uh, I speak to Dr. Sina and we do a little recap of that, uh, I want to get to the big news from the United States uh, last week and the the repeal of the um, abortion rights, uh, Roe v. Wade, uh, in the United States, and, and how that intersects with 
the the nature of theocracy of the, of America becoming or asserting itself as a theocracy, religious rule in the manner of Iran. Uh-huh. A really strange and uncomfortable parallel is emerging, but we'll we'll talk about we'll have a proper chat about that later in the show. So let's get to that, uh, and um, in the meantime, a big thank you to Hamid Reza Safipour for helping make this uh, episode of Rook get to your ears and eyes. Hamid Safipour, luxury custom homes. If you are in Toronto, in the Toronto area, or an Iranian-Canadian, you may know the name Safipour. Hamid got his master's in civil engineering and got into the field of building and consulting on luxury homes over three decades ago. In the last 20 years, Team Hamid and Nina have made the Safipour name one of the tops in the business, a name you can trust to buy your dreamland and build your dream house. Safipur Luxury Homes has now teamed up with Remax and they're moving into also doing uh, exotic high-rises that are beyond things we've seen in Toronto before. If you're thinking to buy or sell or build your dream house, if you are anywhere near the Toronto area or interested in buying and buying here, get in touch with Safipur, S-A-F-I-P-O-O-R, Safipur.com, simple as that, Safipur.com. And uh, actually, you can get in touch with Hamid Safipur and his team at 416-876-4918 or that phone number at gmail.com 416-876-4918 Hamid Safipur Luxury Custom Homes All right Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, the fabulous Keon. Stick around. Let's get to our feature guest. My feature guest today is an Iranian-American ear, nose, and throat specialist, a facial plastic surgeon who has become a social media sensation followed by millions of people on different platforms where he is known simply as Dr. Sina. Dr. Sina Jurabchi is an otolaryngologist specializing in disorders of the head and neck, ranging from hearing loss to cancer. He did his undergraduate training at the University of Michigan and his medical degree at Michigan State. He's an appointed clinical assistant professor for Nova Southeastern University. He regularly teaches residents, students, and lectures at various conferences. And Dr. Sina is not only an influencer now, but an educator. Since 2019, he's posted hundreds of videos explaining everything from ear tube surgery to the dangers of ear cotton swabs. He has had features on CNN, ET, Medscape, Headline News, and The Doctors. And right now, Dr. Sina Judobchi joins me from Pembroke Pines, Florida. Hello, sir. Hello, Jian. How are you? It's good to be humbled and i'm very honored to be on your show today thank you very very nice to have you on the program thanks for doing this congratulations on all your i was gonna say recent success but it's been a while that you've been uh, achieving great success I, it's interesting to me i mean you're clearly a charismatic guy but you're also a serious doctor as i do that introduction to you i'm thinking is it odd for you that you're now being introduced in media appearances as this social media sensation as if you're kendall jenner you know, it is, you know, one of the big things, and I always say this to a lot of like the residents and students that come with me, and it doesn't matter if you have 2 million followers or zero followers, it's a thing with doctors. And I always say, you have to check your ego at the door. Don't bring an ego into the clinical room. And I always kind of hold myself to that. So I don't let that stuff get into my head. My wife likes to say I do, but I don't. And uh, it's just something I keep myself in check. So I just, 
you know, you say that, it just bounces off of me, and I just keep moving on. You know, I don't let it phase me. <laughs> well, I, well, so, I mean, is it, it, having millions of followers, one would think you need an ego to at least um, uh, be doing those videos. So you've got, you've got something of an ego. But you also have kids. I mean, this your 10-year-old son, for example, does he think it's cool that his dad has suddenly become this social media guy? I think more my, my daughter is intrigued by it. You know, I overheard her talking to one of her friends, and they were doing the classic, well, my dad does this, my dad does this, and she goes, well, my dad does TikTok, and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> right. It's not, it's not important that you're an ENT. It's that the TikTok, right? That, yeah. Right. And so she's, and I've actually had them be on a couple of my videos where they voice over, and I, don't, I think, and have seen me on TV, I had a couple, like, segments on, on Miami News, and I don't know how much they really grasp it. But I think they more enjoy the fact they hear themselves, you know, on the media every now and again. And, you know, I catch my son will be like, welcome to my YouTube channel. And it's just kind of like, I guess, the world we're in at this point. So, I mean, the story is, uh, you know, I can never tell. I don't know how planned this was for you. But but the story, at least, is that you you just made a video for fun of you. Uh, I think you were bundling up your your gloves from working as a surgeon or something. And then you, you just did a basketball shot with the gloves uh, and your and your robe into the into a garbage can. And you put a video of that up and suddenly that goes viral. Is that really how it started? You know, that's where I got a lot of attention, but I actually, I, I got drawn to social media from the, probably 2014. I posted my first YouTube video because I was thinking it'd be much better to give someone a video where they could always access for instructions on how to recover from surgery or how to clean your ears, or how to irrigate your sinus, hmm. rather than them getting one paper, which they crumple up, they lose in their car, you know, before they get home. So I started doing that, but I just wasn't as consistent enough. And then fast forward five years later, you know, I saw a lot of people having success in social media and I was intrigued and, you know, started saying, you know what, like add a lot of medicine, say, you know, Dr. Cena, you, you're, you're kind of a cool guy. You should put yourself out there. I'm like, okay, why not? So it was this thing I like to do where I basically just bundle the glove. Um, you know, I think it's kind of an intriguing thing. You know, I'm a basketball player. So, I was, you know, I always try to take my shot when I can. So I bundled the, my gown into a glove and I just, and I just shoot it. And, and the girl that was kind of rotating with me, she, she filmed it, we posted it, and it just kind of opened up a world that I didn't know existed, basically. It was, uh, there's a few people like yourself, especially the TikTok influencers or the sensations who seem to have, whose, whose ascendance seems to have come uh, concomitant with the, the period of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's been really the last couple of years for you. How much do you think the pandemic played into your success or, or the, your, the interest in you in terms of people searching for medical help online and also having more time and inclination to be on social media while they're in lockdown or something? Do you, do you think it's something about that? I think it was, it was all timing. Um, you know, it's funny, TikTok was a platform that was looking to be legitimate. It was something that people thought as kind of a joke. So there was a group of doctors that started to get some traction as infotainment doctors. And we were communicating with corporate TikTok because they wanted to have more information videos for people. So we started to actually communicate with them on a regular basis. As they were kind of pushing our content, then the pandemic hit and it was just like gasoline on the fire. So they already had their vision of going towards that and then just there was an opportunity to really capitalize on getting information out 
And it just really just opened up, you know, a lot of different opportunities. Like, as you mentioned, it allowed me to get exposure on CNN. And, and I was able to actually start working with the uh, World Health Organization as a result. There's a couple of us doctors that were in communication with them as far as getting the word out on vaccination, mask wearing, proper self-care, and, you know, amongst other things, wellness. And, and so it was definitely an opportunity where people started to value health um, because everyone was scared and everyone didn't know where to go. And, and there was a lot of misinformation out there. So this was definitely an opportunity um, to kind of further that that chance of, of getting getting exposure to the world. When you you I've seen you refer to this as medical infotainment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great term. On the one hand, it seems like a great accessible way to spread important medical tips to the masses. Uh, on the other hand, medical infotainment sounds oxymoronic, as in. Should there be any time for entertainment when we're talking about health advice that could be quite crucial uh, in our lives? How do you navigate that seeming paradox? You know, I look at it, you know, it's interesting. I think there should be both. You know, I think it's, I want to entertain you to the point where you don't realize that you're learning, you know, where it's like you look back on it and you go, oh my goodness. Oh, I I learned this from Dr. Cena. I learned not to use Q-tips from Dr. Cena. I think that there's comedy and smiles and just good vibes go a long way. And, you know, a lot of times I think the classic perception of a doctor is just droning on dull, neutral, bland toast type of character. Right, right. I try to be the opposite. Um, I think it just comes down to communication. You know, if someone's smiling, if someone makes a joke, if someone is, you know, can get to a point and communicate well with you, you, you will take their message in, in a more informative way. And the beauty of some of the social media it kind of forces you to do that in an effective way. You don't have that much time to go on and drone on. So I do think that there, there, there is relevance in, in that. And you're seeing it in people on these mediums where they learn how to uh, invest in real estate, cryptocurrency, right. stock market, right. all these different knowledge platforms are existing in, 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 in infotainment. It's definitely helpful. But I mean, you're young, you're good looking, and you're a TikTok guy now. Do you, <laughs> I mean, do you ever, I can't take that in seriously. No, no, but well, I mean, it's true though. Is there any part of you that goes, I'm going to be taken less seriously as a doctor somehow? Like that somebody's going to go, oh, he's the guy on social media. He can't be as as experienced or as as good a doctor as the old guy that we've been going to for a hundred years that that isn't on TikTok. You're absolutely right. And in the beginning, when we first started before the pandemic, um, we got a little bit of that. And maybe not so much as me, some of my other colleagues, they got that feeling of they were affecting their credibility because they're on this platform of people that were dancing and, and, and doing jokes. Um, but, you know, slowly as people kind of stop connecting dots that don't exist and they actually digest and see what you're doing and that got wiped away. And I think the pandemic um, allowed us to have that that credibility a lot faster maybe it might have been a longer ride up it kind of got us there so i really didn't feel it too bad there was moments of it and and i'm pretty careful you know i think us as persians we are talented at how we are perceived and our, our you know how we come off how we look like all this stuff where i'm seeing all these other doctors doing cringy stuff the inner persian in me was able to kind of keep the radar and check where i wasn't going to put myself <laughs> so out there i could be professional right but intriguing. Right. I think we're masters of that. Right, right, you right. Do you, thank do you, our mothers. Do you, do you, I'm going to get to the Persian part. Do you, do you have a, I mean, at this point when you make this stuff, do you have a team? Do you have like a, somebody who follows you around with a, a video camera? How, how are you creating all this content? So 
in the beginning, it was uh, pre-meds and med students. It was people that wanted more time with me in the operating room. And so they were kind of capturing content. And I was doing a lot of the editing and a lot of the, the thinking as far as what I wanted out there. Um, and then, yeah, there was a point where I had like a full-blown editing team and they were helping me, but it didn't really feel like me or it didn't feel as authentic. So I didn't like it. It was too polished. And I, I liked the aspect of being genuine, a little bit raw. And so I kind of pulled back on that. And so now um, I basically kind of go back to the, the med student thing. I think it's kind of a little bit of, of a you know truth to it. And I kind of just spearhead uh, the content creation on my own, which is definitely a little more cumbersome, a little bit more difficult, but uh, it's kind of what's worked for me. So I'm going to stick with it's it. It's funny. You should. It's interesting, isn't it, with social media? We've noticed that even with our programming that nobody wants it to look too slick. Nobody wants it to look like like network television, right? The more it looks like you're just a, some doctor who's making these videos yourself, the more appealing it is somehow. I guess it, yes. plays, it plays into a sense of authenticity. Exactly. You want to be able to connect with the person that you're uh, watching, right? That's why people love the Kardashians. They feel like it's like their their family. You know, there's a there's a rawness to that family. There is a a rawness, and it's something you can connect with. Something that's too polished, just too distant, right? Mm -hmm. Something that's a little bit flare, uh, flawed, and and something that's a little more relatable it connects with you. It moves the needle a little bit more for people, I think. You mentioned being Persian. Take me back for a moment. I know your your family left Iran right around the time of the revolution, and you were born in the states. Is it true that your father was a, a prominent doctor himself in Iran? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so he. Uh, it, it's kind of funny that he worked with the World Health Organization for legitimate reasons, and I worked for it uh, via TikTok. So <laughs> we, you know, I think that makes me laugh, but. You know, he uh, he basically did his, his all his schooling in the United States at, at St. Louis University. Went back to Pallavi and set up this uh, center of medical education with the World Health Organization. He worked there for about 13 years. Uh, there was a, a point in time where he set up this cath lab where the Shah actually came through and uh, basically toured the whole facility. And sorry, is, is this Pallavi Pallavi University or? Mm -hmm. All right, okay. And so um, he basically was there, and then. Right around 1979, 1980, um, while the revolution was ongoing, he got a letter from the dean of the medical school in, in Chicago, someone that was very familiar with his work, and and he had been very well known because of the World Health Organization. And they basically reached out to him saying, "Hey, would you like to come for a sabbatical? You know, wait for things to cool down, come over here and work at at the medical school." And so my mom and him went, and my mom's like, 40 years later, here we are." Mm -hmm. They went and never came back. So um, it was just kind of a, a unique thing where then more of our family started coming through and they all kind of stationed up in Michigan. And that, that's basically where I grew up. Did they, do you think they had an expectation in the beginning that they were going to return to Iran? In other words, yes. when you were born, was it, was the thought we're actually going to, you know, you're, we'll, we'll let you assimilate a bit here in America, but we're eventually all going back to Iran? Well, technically I wasn't a thought yet. I wasn't on the world, but for my sister, uh, they were, they were thinking, okay, Let's go to uh, Illinois. Let's be there for a year. We'll cool, let things cool off, and we'll come back and, and resume our life, you know, back in Shiraz. Um, and it didn't really go that way. And I, they started making more and more connections. And then I was born in '82, and then more family started coming. And you, you want to be where your family is. 
you, you seem very American, Cena. I mean, I, I, it's a funny thing to say, but uh, as somebody who people say, oh, yeah, you seem kind of Canadian because I grew up uh, in the West like you. Um, but you're a basketball player. You're a guy in Florida. You know, your English is perfect. And, and you got a, an American kind of sounding accent. Were you brought up super assimilated? How, how Persian were you growing up in Michigan? I think I, think I was to looking back on it. Um, I wish I had a little bit more of like a Persian influence. I mean, let me st- let me say this carefully. You know, we, we grew up celebrating Nowruz. You know, we we we're a full blown Persian family. Um, I think my only and I'm saying on the regret of I wish my Farsi was a little bit stronger than it is. That's that's my like longing regret because I, I get uh, Persian patients to come through and and I can I can you know muster up a conversation. Uh, but it's just, it's just, I wish it just flowed off the tongue a little bit smoother. And, um, but other than that, no, we, we grew up pretty Persian. Our, thankfully in, in Michigan, there was probably about 10 or 12 kind of Persian families we kind of grew up with. And it was like, we felt like we had our own community. Um, I had my cousins there. So it was, it was a strong community of Persians. And, and um, I definitely, you know, felt the culture. But very much, you know, I definitely have, have an American influence. I mean, that, that's kind of... It's, you know, kind of how I grew up. And was it somehow obvious growing up that you were going to follow in the footsteps of your father and be a doctor? No, not really. He actually, he didn't want to push us into medicine. He, he really wanted to find our own, um, our own path. That, that would make him an extraordinary Persian. Yeah, right. He was <laughs> he's smart. Not, he's not pushing you into being a doctor. Uh, but I think also kind of go back to your original point of, of, being Persian, he didn't want to push it too hard on us. He wanted to kind of find our way mm. where I think a lot of other parents are kind of forced it. So you're going to learn, you're going to do everything. So he, he, uh, he was very much hands off and said he didn't want to be forced into it because his father had basically uh, forced him into medicine. So um, the experiment worked, you know, right when I was 18, I did some volunteering work and I did some volunteering work at University of Michigan uh, pediatric burn unit. And I always talk about this because you know, I say that word and it just brings back some PTSD memories mm. and things are just like singed in my brain, some of the sites that I've seen. And it's great. It's humbling. It gives you perspective that, hey, there's people like this out there in the world. People need help. And, and it connected with me. And it's it's something I definitely draw upon and kind of humble myself. And, and I think from thinking about that, you know, I just I kind of knew I was going to go in that direction. I just had a lot of sympathy and empathy for what was going on. Um, So not being forced by my parents and having a formative experience kind of solidified my path to becoming a doctor. Did you ever, uh, have you ever considered, uh, I don't know if you visited Iran, have you? Would you consider actually going, living there or working there? I would love to go to Iran. I've talked about this a lot. And, you know, another regret is my parents went back with my sister when I was studying for my boards. Um, yeah, I would. I would talk about it every year. It's one of these things. We, I was in California last year, and I talked to my cousin's wife about going out to Quiche and checking out all these different places. And I would love to go. Like that's still. I'm I'm Persian, man. I mean, I grew up in in in, in America, but I'm Persian, and and there's there's an emptiness for me not going there. And so I think at some point I will. Um, you know, it, it is, does seem a little daunting, you know, to some degree now with where life is, but at some point I do want to go back there. My kids are, you know, they, they have Persian in them. I want to be proud of where they came from. 
you know, we're a great society. Wait till you start doing some of your content in Farsi. It's going to be, you're going to, you're going to suddenly have 80 million new followers, you know, uh, trust me. Why did you, Sina, why did you go into, um, ear, nose and throat as a specialty? It seems, this is just as a non-medical person, but it seems particularly, uh, difficult you know kind of gross like it's a, it's <laughs> hard work uh and having gone and seen an ent doctor a, a bunch for for my hearing over the years and stuff as a as a rock musician I, I i um well i'll tell you about that relationship in a moment but why why is that something that appealed to you equating what we do just to earwax is like equating a dermatologist to only popping pimples and actually maybe that's not a good example let's <laughs> let's say you know there's a lot of what your nose and throat uh, can do. We're actually head and neck surgeons. Every surgery from the clavicle up that's not in the eyes or the brain, we're doing. Mm. You know, we're taking out tumors, we're taking out thyroids, we're doing uh, sinus surgery, doing cosmetic surgery. It's a really versatile field. So, you know, every pre med and med student goes through a path of do I want to be a surgeon or do I want to be a, a, a medical doctor? Once you make that decision, you kind of go and look at all these different specialties. And Ear, nose, and throat was particularly interesting to me because there was a lot of finesse with the surgeries. You know, you're dissecting off these critical structures in the neck, dangerous structures, dangerous nerves. Um, and you're using a lot of cool instrumentation. I'm a techie guy. Mm. These scopes, these navigation instrumentation, the devices you're using, it's always an evolving field. Um, it just kind of gravitated towards me where you have a clinic that takes, you know, some intelligence. You know, you have to understand many different things you have to be a neurologist you have to understand uh, allergy immunology you have to understand internal medicine and on top of the fact that you're a surgeon i think it was one of the most diverse fields i can treat infants to a to to seniors mm. you know i'm not just bottleneck to one right person right, right. so i really it's such a diverse practice for the head and neck that that's what kind of appealed to me and the fact that I could be a surgeon where also we can fix a lot of things. A lot of professions, they can't fix your condition. Neurologists can't fix a lot of things. Rheumatologists cannot fix a lot of things. I can fix your conditions. There's a lot of victories, a lot of satisfaction. But, but you're the bearer of bad news when it comes to hearing loss. I know that, which is hard to fix because I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the work you do mm -hmm. because I, I went to a, I've been to an ear, nose, and throat specialist a, a few times um, because I spent ten years on the road playing in a band with a, wow. a monitor full blast next to me, you know, as I played drums and sang, and, and so, so I have, as it turns out, in my left ear some you know 30 percent hearing loss or something from just the blasting of that monitor um which which is why i kind of fear seeing this doctor because i'm always afraid to take that hearing test and find out it's gotten worse or something um but but a lot of the things that you the kind of general um but really smart uh, lessons that you impart in your videos, I've learned from him um, because uh, I guess these are things that ENT doctors or people in your field would know, but the general population is is really not uh, that aware of. And so let me bring up a couple of them and you can teach us here. Um, he has taught me, you know, I remember him saying to me, never, ever use a Q-tip. 
And this is something that in your ear, that is. And this is something that you've you've got videos on that you've really made something that you is mm-hmm. a big deal that and you've fortunately you've had you know, there's hundreds of thousands of views on these videos, so so people are consuming this information. Tell us why Q tips are so dangerous. Well, first, it's it's a blunt tool. You're not you're not scooping anything out, you're pushing it in. And whatever you're retrieving out, there's a good portion that you're pushing that in deeper. And that's going to require much more of an invasive procedure to get out. Um, but the better way to think about it is to step back. What is the purpose of earwax? Earwax protects against infection. It moistens the ear canal. It's a self-cleaner. The wax kind of spirals out of the ear canal and cleans the ear itself, and it protects against foreign bodies. So there's a purpose of earwax that we don't need to basically manicure or take care of. Uh, but the problem we see with a lot of Q-tip users is that you create chronic conditions. You can create dry skin. You can push the wax in deeper. You can traumatize the ear canal and the ear drum. So there's definitely more downside than upside of using a Q-tip. There is definitely like a soothing aspect of it. But let's let's be honest, mm. right? But the reality is is that the ear is very much like an autopilot organ. You can just let it be, and it'll handle itself for the majority of people. Um, there really isn't a benefit. If you read the Q-tip box, it says not for ears. So it's not intended for uh, use in, the, in, in what we like to commonly use it for. So other than when we go to the doctor and get our the ear blown out with the, or, you know, with the water or something like that, I mean, wh- what are we supposed to do at home to clean our ears? Nothing? Nothing. The majority of people, nothing. Now... There's some people that have smaller ear canals, right? They, they, it's, it's like bottlenecked. And so it's hard for the wax to come out. Those are the people that need us or may need to do other things. So the other things include just softening the earwax. So baby oil or olive oil is always a safe thing to use. Moisten the wax. If you know your eardrum is intact, if you don't have a history of a perforated eardrum, you can just use a syringe. You could syringe irrigate your ear or when you're in the shower, have the shower water go into the ear canal and kind of irrigate through as long as your your ear drum is intact. So that's what I recommend for those people is softening it with with a baby oil or mineral oil for a couple days and trying to self-irrigation. If that doesn't work, come on in. And then also another topic to talk about is these cameras. People have these these, these camera iPhone cameras and um, where they basically like a USB camera pokes to, it plugs into your iPhone and you can actually see. Uh, oh. what you're scooping out of the ear. And, you know, honestly, I think that's case by case. You know, it depends on, you know, if it's a 75-year-old person doing it, I'd be worried about the dexterity of that person. Um, but if it's ear wax and it's on the outer aspect of the ear, I actually don't have the biggest problem of you doing that. Uh, but I also, again, going back to my original point of, there's a purpose for that wax there. We don't need to take it out. In fact, it's protecting you. Uh, but that might not be a bad utility down the line of using that camera more regularly. I remember this specialist of mine used to say, don't ever use the type of earphones uh, that you put in your ear, like earbuds or AirPods. I'm thinking if that was ever a rule, um, you've kind of lost that battle because it's become so, they've become so omnipresent. But how do you feel about that? Do you counsel people to use the kind of earphones that are exterior that you like, I'm like I'm wearing right now? Or do you, do you think that it's okay to put the AirPods in? I think it's okay to put the AirPods in. They're just, they do two things. They can push the wax in deeper and they can put pressure on your jaw joint, which is right there. Um, and also can trap moisture. 
So I think that you're more able to do more extended listening periods with over-the-ear headsets, but I'm okay with with the AirPods. I use them myself. Um, what you have is great. Over-the-ear noise-canceling headphones are the best sort of headphones. And you know, a good a good rule of thumb with any sort of hearing device. And I've said it a couple of times. Uh, I'm like, my media is a 60-60. 60-60. Tell us about that. Yeah. Not a lot of people know about this rule. Um, it's a pretty. It's something you can relate to. So the idea is not to listen to more than sixty percent of your iPhone volume for more than sixty minutes. People don't realize that duration of of listening can sometimes be just as harmful as an acute, intense one minute exposure of a loud noise. And it seems like a lot of people can connect with the idea of like a sprained knee or a sprained ankle, right? So if you if you're if you're running on this on this knee. Uh, for an extended period of time, you, you can wear it out. Just as bad as if you're if you're acutely running on it too. So the idea is just you want to be very protective of your ears um, because once you lose that hearing, there's not much we can do. Not much we can do to recover it. We can help it, but not much we can do to recover it. So the 60-60 rule is a good way to keep yourself in check and also taking breaks um, after that period of time because a lot of people will listen to podcasts or watch shows um, or I had a guy that does a lot of lawn care. He blasts the hearing or blasts the sound of trying out the lawn care. Right, right. Um, and so that's going to, you know, that's going to be a problem down the line. What do you make of the fact that some of your most popular content tends to be, um, uh, I don't mean, I don't know how to describe it, kind of gruesome. Yeah. I mean, you have yeah. a video where you've removed some mucus from a nose that looks like uncooked bacon, uh, and it's got a 700,000 views, and I probably more on TikTok. I'm just looking at the Inst- Instagram video or something. So wh- what what is that about? What do you think people are are interested in when it comes to that? You know, it's it's just, it's invoking an emotion. It's not everyone's going to connect with the 60-60 rule, right? But I will most certainly more consistently get an emotion out of that piece of bacon looking like mucus coming out of the nose. And so where that emotion is good or bad, it's invoking that. And, and I'll say I wish it was the other way around. I wish people were more emotional and passionate about the 60-60 rule. And I don't want to be relegated as just the gross doctor. I want to still give you that information. But it does offer an opportunity to get a wider path of exposure for people. And and that's just the way the world is. It just it just offers a, a reaction that you know will then you know require something to to react to. We'll certainly be linking to your platform. So if anybody wants to see what kind of objects can be pulled out of a nose, um, <laughs> they could they could check out Dr. Cena's uh, platforms. Um, you you've been expanding into the metaverse space with NFTs and 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 crypto. It's it's not been a good couple of weeks for crypto and NFTs, but <laughs> you've launched something a few months back called MetaDocs. What is the idea? So the idea actually was came across. It came inspired by a lot of the social media um, influence. So, meaning a lot of people um, in the beginning stages that followed me were were pre meds, were medical colleagues, people interested in medicine, and so I felt this could be an opportunity where people could have a chance to connect with people um, that are that are social media influencers, but in a more reliable fashion. So we envisioned like the pre med being able to reach out to to us, ask about how to get in the medical school, how to get through certain adversities while you're in medical school, or the colleague that may want to connect with us as far as um, talking about medical procedures or just some sort of like 
like grouping uh, uh, opportunity to kind of connect with us or anyone that's interested in just general medical information. Um, so we, we kind of viewed as an opportunity to kind of use this interesting technology and use it as almost like a membership card, uh, but more importantly, be a vehicle for, for charitable donation, which I thought was, you know, an opportunity to do something special in that space in a space that is kind of dishonest in many ways. There's a lot of what called rug pulls that are in this space. So, so would there be an avatar of you that I, that I would then go in the metaverse and be asking advice from, is that how it works? So think of it as there's, there's 8,888 pictures of different style of doctors, females mm -hmm. and males. And so each one is unique. You would buy one of these and it would almost give you access to this membership mm. um, that you can connect with, you know, various big social media doctors and have an opportunity to engage with them more reliably. You know, if you look at all of our, our, our DMs, you know, we have hundreds of DMs every day and we can't get through any of them. Right, and there's right. a lot of people that are, that they take offense of that. Um, and the reality is just there's just no bandwidth to do that. Right. So this is an opportunity for people that, that want to have that further connection to kind of do that. But also while you're doing a big portion that's going going to charity. So that was kind of the motivation. And it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of been on hold a little bit with what, what the, the current market is. But something that we're very passionate about. We have a lot of ideas what we can do. With well, that. also, I saw some articles that, that, that there's some backlash that's been written about it in the medical community that Metadocs is not an actual licensed yeah. telemedicine service. Is that a real thing, the backlash, or, or is that just, yeah, I know, never I know how to trust these kind of articles, you know? You know what it is? It, and, and I think a lot of it was our fault because we didn't do proper messaging. It was it was really exciting, got the word out. We mm. had a lot of brainstorm thoughts, so people were connecting the dots that don't exist. They were like, oh, these guys are gonna do surgical, you know, metaverse surgeries, and they're gonna treat us medically via the internet. And no, we just wanted to be more of like a social access. and. That was kind of like, you know, it's funny for someone that's seasoned with social media, we definitely failed there. All of us failed together as far as getting like proper messaging out there. We really want you to be a social access device and kind of like people that are in our direct messaging to get better access, but also kind of have that charitable opportunity. And, and what had happened was they reached out to people that fully didn't grasp the project and they started talking and then they created this narrative and then... We just got kind of, you know, the rest is there. But gotcha. that's kind of what the project is. Gotcha. And, yeah. you know, we're working on trying to make sure that the messaging is clear and concrete moving forward. A final couple of questions for you. Um, uh, first of all, I mean, do you, do you, it, it, it all seems like this is happening quite quickly in terms of your store growing in social media. You've got these um, appearances that now on TV shows that they're increasingly asking you and, and your your numbers are growing. And uh, do, you, do you have a plan for this? How, how you will navigate your time as you get more and more popular in social media? Can you see yourself giving up your daily practice and becoming some sort of Dr. Oz, pre-politics, that, that, that so, type of thing? You know, I've, I tell my wife this, I tell my family this, I'm not here to be a movie star. I want to be an infotainment guy. And I've had, I've had a couple different shows actually reach out to me to start a show and we've declined them. You know, I'm a, I'm a family guy first. And, you know, I think there's a point where you start going a little too deep. It can be a little bit damaging. And, you know, I, I don't think it's worth it for me. That's not my priority. And, it's funny, you may not even believe me and you're like, well, why are you doing this? I think this, this opportunity, what I'm doing, I can ride the line where I can get to the world, my information. I don't feel it too much in the home base or in the clinical base and I get it every now and again, 
Uh, but to go bigger than that, that's, that's not my desire. So I'm going to probably stay in this lane, continue to be a doctor, continue to just infotain and whoever I can inspire to go in medicine, I'm going to continue doing that. And that'll be the plan. Keep it simple. You seem to be doing a great job of, the, of balancing it so far, but I can only imagine there's going to be more difficult decisions ahead as your star uh, grows and, and your wife starts to get um, annoyed by how many people are calling you the handsome doctor. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but a final question, uh, you know, I, I have to, I think about your dad and I think about your family, your dad there, the, 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 you know, the great doctor teaching at Pahlavi University and bringing all that expertise. What does he make of of his son um, becoming a social media sensation as a doctor. Oh, he loves it. He, he would go on the shows. He, he would eat it up. I mean, he's, he's like the elephant in the room. He would, he would relish it up. Maybe he should be the guy here. Like he, <laughs> Maybe he, he should. You should, you should bring him on. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is an intelligent, well-traveled, wide knowledge base He's an impressive individual, and he 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 would do well with it. And he's he's very proud, and he loves he loves seeing the, this uh, this sort of attention. That's for sure. He's he's proud. Doctor so. Doctor Sina Judabchi, it's it's um it's a pleasure to talk to you. I'm I'm thrilled with all your success, and I thank you so much for making the time. I know you're a busy guy. Really appreciate the conversation today. It was a pleasure to chat with you. I'm happy to come back, and and I I hope your channel continues to have great success. I think it will. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Dr. Sina Judabchi, an Iranian-American ear, nose, throat specialist, and facial plastic surgeon who's become a social media sensation, followed by millions of people on different platforms, where he is known simply as Dr. Sina. We reached Dr. Sina Judabchi in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Microphone's back on for Groovy Shia, Captain Reza, and the fabulous Keon, Dr. Cena. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. You know why uh, what I what I like about Dr. Cena is when he was talking about in in our culture, like doctors ought to be presented in a certain way. You gotta behave like a doctor. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm trying to break that that stereotype. <laughs> I love that. It's right. Because it's just more fun now. I'm following him on Instagram. Uh, I'm looking forward to going to the doctor. I'm still that's thinking about the the hearing thing. Yes. Yeah, I can't stop thinking 60, 60. about it. Well, the 60-60 rule, be honest. <laughs> no, I never. Is, is, is anyone no. actually doing never. that? Never. No, no, and I'm, no. I'm like, scared like First of now. all, it's, I, I can't even remember the last time I listened to something at 60% of volume. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Let alone no. just for an hour only. <laughs> I'm, I blasted like crazy. It's terrible. Like, it know. is terrible. It's fun, though. Yeah, I know you. You know best because you're you're a drum player. I try a drum player. Drum player. Yes. That sounds drum, weird. Drum I know player. drum player. You can't say that. Drummer, you are, you drummer. are a drum, drum player. player. Drum player. <laughs> a swim player. But a drummer. How do you drummer. say that? He's drummer. 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 Oh, fuck! Yeah. I was like, what is the word? That's not bad. <laughs> not drum player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, well, actually, that, although that's actually literally correct, I drum player. Drum player. Um, yeah, I, I. I I try to be careful of it. See, I'm probably the only one of 
the four of us that's been to an ENT, right? Have you actually mm. been? Have you had your ear, ears tested, no, child? No, no, no. I'm in desperate need. You, I I'm shocked that you it. haven't gone. You're deaf, Keon. I, I am. And I noticed it's that. It's bad. Why don't you go to a... I, I'm scared, I think. It, well, let me tell you. It is terrifying. It oh, is terrifying man. because it's... Um, it's kind of like when you go to the eye doctor and they make you read the thing, yeah. but but you go, oh well, I can read the top ones, but oh. but with the ear doctor, they they play sounds in your ear and you tell them what you can hear and and um, yeah, it's awaiting the results. It's like a and so I I've been probably three or four times. And then I just stopped out of complete <laughs> depression because <laughs> it was just getting worse and worse. What's your hearing at? Well, like, my the last time I went was like the la- my left ear had thirty percent hearing loss because um, all those years that I was touring in the band, I had my monitor set up on stage. Mm. Uh, we didn't use in ear monitors because we found that we could sing better without in ear so uh, and play better. So. So I had it blasting, you know, and when you've got a loud crowd, you need it really loud yeah. to beat the crowd. And I've got drums, so oh. I want to be able to hear myself over the drums. And so, so it was just blasting on my left side of my head for, um, so yeah, and it was amazing. I mean, he, they, they'll tell you things like they'll go, you're, they look at their, the chart that you do the hearing test and they go, you are going to have trouble hearing a woman's voice in a crowded party of 50 people or something and it's exactly because there's certain frequencies wow. that you have you have trouble with but it, it's scary because the the thing about hearing loss is there and i don't know if there's maybe dr cena could uh I, I don't think there's any way of rehabilitating it like once you've lost your hearing You're it lost. never comes back you oh, can't shit. you can't fix it you can only like mm. sort of try and stop the, 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 the damage, you know, and, yeah. and then you have to wear uh, earring, hearing aids and things like that. So um, it's so it's just like this long slide towards oh. deafness, Jeez. right? Jesus. Yeah, that's great. I'm just hoping my issue is just a buildup of earwax. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you got to go check it out. Yeah. You got to go get that yeah. checked But then he said earwax was... Was right, good. right. So he's saying it's good. So, so I mean, earwax. I heard it was good too, but first, like that, it protects your like back in Iran. Like I had an ear infection. My mom like took me to the doctor. They said she Leave was. I in. clean his ear all the time. She, it was like you shouldn't. That's the oh. problem. Mm. So I, I don't know what to believe. Now. What kind of a doctor was it? Like a witch doctor? <laughs> yeah. or a, or I don't what? remember his face, <laughs> but I know he had orange <laughs> shoes. Well, see, I used to use Q-tips in my ear, so maybe that's oh, no. the cause of it. Oh, you popped your eardrum. Trust me like don't even look for the I, cause so I'm I, your I, I made myself deaf get Great. that checked actually up, with yeah. that that i have heard that i had a uh, as i said you know in the in the interview we talked about I, I, that the q-tips are terrible that it's yeah. it's a really bad idea too, for yeah. your ears yeah, yeah. Uh, don't yeah, stick so. anything in your ear it's basically but how the rule can you of just not <laughs> clean your ears <laughs> like i've I, you can't just leave it That's well what one thing that can happen is uh and I think this happened to a couple of my ex-bandmates, but it, it, there's something called tinnitus. Mm. Um, tinnitus is when you have a you have a constant kind of ringing or ear. pierce sort of sound, piercing sound oh. in your ears. Uh, like you can't get rid of it. At all times? At all times. Well, I mean, it comes and goes, but yeah. there'll be a, a period of a few hours when you, oh. you just can't stop hearing like a little ringing somewhere in your ears. I think there was you, a movie. You, you have that? Yes, but not all times. Some, yeah. yeah but That's I, terrifying. I, it's annoying. Oh, because it's, yeah. the folks who have that really, because then your ears become extremely sensitive yeah. and you can't, you know, you increasingly can't. I knew a drummer who had a really bad case of tinnitus and after a while he couldn't play drums because 
the sounds were too loud it would drive his him crazy so he was like wearing headphones to not hear himself play the drums and wow. it was really really is it scary. common amongst musicians Musi yeah it is tinnitus is, yeah I think rock musicians yeah. i mean the thing is is there's a whole new we've never lived through i remember uh, the uh, doctor telling me this we headphone technology keeps getting um more and more uh powerful and mm -hmm. so uh, it's louder than it's ever been yeah. you know we've never like like little headphones that you wore with your walkman in the 80s and 90s don't oh. have the power that they do today now and they're sticking the earbuds in That's the true. you know and, and blasting right so we don't know like there's no generation that has been this aggressive with their, their ears mm -hmm. uh, than, than the moment we're living right now so we don't actually know what's going to happen to us 20 years from now or wow. That's what's that's what's scary about this for all of us because we know that it's degenerating and you don't know how fast or, or I mean why aren't you more careful when you say you always blast the your it's, stuff in your head? It's fun, right? It's like drinking, like it's right. not good for your liver, but you do it anyways. Right, it's like smoking yeah. without thinking about the five years you're going to lose. On the <laughs> I know, you're like, like yeah. oh, it's not now, it's later, yeah. right now. Although you don't smoke. It. No, I don't. But well, you do blast stuff in your ears. I do blast stuff into my ears, yeah, especially when I'm driving. It's so much fun driving and listening to music. Wait, oh, you, but you don't, you, you mean we blast in the car. You don't want yeah, headphones yeah. when you're driving. No, 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 no yeah. not headphones, but I'm blasting in the car. But Keon, I think you, you don't have, you don't know why your hearing is. I blast music at the gym for oh. like hours and just in general, a lot of times. So mm. I, that might be a huge cause. I'm going to book an appointment with an ENT. That's <laughs> yeah. it. I, I yeah, needed this. Good idea. This is a nice, Maybe uh, Dr. Cena reminder. will yeah. uh, see <laughs> you I in lived Florida. In Florida. <laughs> <laughs> One trip. All right, so as I alluded to earlier in the show, I wanted to talk about the Supreme Court decision in the United States last week. Uh, some people may have heard of uh, the repeal of Roe versus Wade, um, which is an, the abortion, mm, yeah. basically abortion rights have been imperiled in America. And I, I, I want to preface this by saying we aspire at Rook Media to not be overtly political. We believe in addressing human rights issues and advocacy that way, but but we try to stay nonpartisan. We try to stay non-party affiliated, especially when it comes to Iran, as possible uh, as the um, uh, Mojri. Mojri, as the Mojri of the Host, show. Yes. Um, <clears throat> But I'm not a big fan of theocracies. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of theocracy. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, we talk about we say theocracy. We think of Iran. Uh, I respect religion. I respect people who are religious. Mm -hmm. uh, I think religion has actually done some great things in some cases in terms of um, people finding their path, etc. Uh, and I respect democratically elected governments. I don't like when they mix. Mm -hmm. I don't like when when the government uh, is. Uh, a religious uh, uh, governed body and and I don't think this issue when it comes to abortion for me has never been it it is certainly a politicized issue but I don't even think of it as a political issue I think of it as a human rights issue mm -hmm. and um, and this has been uh, there's some history for me with this because um, back when I was in in high school and university uh, I started uh, supporting the pro-choice cause and, and in university helped develop this thing called the pro-choice network. At that time, there was a, a an abortion clinic that was in downtown Toronto that there would be some folks who would come, religious folks who would come and scream at women who were 
going in to get an abortion. And um, there was no, uh, the internet was just at its nascent stages at that point. So we had phone trees. We would call around at 5.30 in the morning to go and stand outside of this abortion clinic to, to link arms uh, and allow safe passage for women mm-hmm. to go in and out. And let me just clarify at this point that whatever your views on abortion are, whatever the folks listening, whatever you believe about an abortion, or if you're a woman, whether you would have one or not yourself, that, of course, is your right. Uh, and I don't begrudge or deny anybody to be anti-abortion. It's the idea that you impose your view on anybody else, that you uh, project what you believe is right onto somebody else's uh, right to to their own body and and reproductive choice. That's the issue, especially if it's a male politician making decisions about what a woman will do with her body. Uh, so that's we're talking about choice here, not what your opinion is, but choice based in religion. Mm, yeah, it's like a hijab body, you know. It is very <laughs> strangely similar, and so. I was in this process. Now, then I was in a band, Moxie Fruvis, and we would do this yearly fundraiser called Fruvis and Friends for Choice. Um, in our well, a couple of our videos, so there's a song we had, My Baby Loves a Bunch of Authors, I'm Wearing a Choice T-shirt. It, it was just an important issue. Why do I tell that whole story? Because in that entire time that we were you know, demonstrably saying, hey, support abortion rights, women's right to choose, we never imagined that in the United States, Roe v. Wade, would be overturned. It was never something that that I would have imagined. You're not. You're not in Kiana, and I want you to speak to this. But it was it was really really shocking to me. I know, like I can't contribute anything to this that hasn't been said. There's there's really eloquent women and people who are saying talking about this right now. But I, I just want to say that it was shocking to me. And as a show that, and and as a network that here often talks about the issues with the theocracy in Iran. Um, the fact that in the United States there are states now that are going to have a more backward approach to abortion than Iran based on basically religious kind of dictates um, is is shocking and and you know lays waste to the idea that you know let's all immigrant immigrate to a better place. I know America is not just defined by this law, uh, and uh, I respect that there are people who disagree with me. I, I am, uh, you know, I I I'm not backing off on this one. I can't. I'll never be not pro-choice, and so I, I'll just you know that's that's the the deal. But the idea that. Um, through some kind of religious dictate, you know, you're gonna you're gonna repeal a law, uh, and that's really what it comes down to in the states. It, it, it reminds me too much of what makes us so frustrated and angry about what's happening in Iran. I'm just in disbelief that it even happened. I mean, I can't add to anything that you just said, Gian, but the fact that you the U.S. is a democracy. <laughs> You know, people are supposed to have freedom there, yet they don't even have the, f- the w- women don't have freedom to their own body that I can't believe that. I really just, I can't, like, it feels a lot like Iran. Yeah. So that's it. A lot I, like Iran. You know, when Trump got elected and uh, Republicans and Democrats started spiting each other and fucking everything up and dividing their nation, I thought, Division amongst people is the only thing that the United States now has in common with Iran. 
But I guess they can add taking away women's right to the collection of divided states of America now. Hmm. It's just shameful, man. What are you going to say to that? It's spite and politics. And, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's... It's fucked up. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's it's nothing else I mean, to what add do you, to it. What are you going to say to that? It's just so primitive it's that it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm. Like... Mm. I wouldn't want to say that the, the, these kind of rights are not threatened in Canada, but it's another thing that we as Canadians don't totally get about the United States. I think yeah. sometimes, like gun culture and rolling back abortion laws. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, I know a lot of Americans in the media. I'm seeing them talking about, well, maybe we'll go to Canada, or you know, that would be a safe haven around this kind of stuff. Uh, but it just, it just, you know, I, I just had to give the history, my mm-hmm. personal history, of being shocked that, you know, history just like a is like a a, 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 a seesaw. You know, it goes up and down. It's like a roller coaster. And you and, and you, you can't imagine. Yeah. I imagine 30 years ago, I'm thinking that this this law. This is from. We're supposed to be progressing. This yeah. is a law from the seventies that they're repealing, crazy. right? Like, what else yeah. can happen that we thought well, I mean, was crazy and would never same-sex marriage? That, I mean, that, I mean, I don't know, you know, but that's what well, they're saying, Clarence right? Thompson that, brought it up. He Thomas, mentioned yeah. Clarence, Clarence Thomas, one of the just uh, um, justices on yeah. the Supreme Court, actually brought it up. And said, "All right, maybe that's next. That should be revisited too." So Jeez. now we're talking about taking away LGBT rights yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm. What else? What else? What else is next? Well, it, it, it doesn't matter American or Persian like all, all you know yes they, they it feel, that's what it feels like yeah. that's certainly what it feels like Ahons of Congress um, anyway I mean uh, <laughs> <laughs> for real yeah. what's the difference you wear a tie he wears a man. Yeah. yeah yeah yes Same exactly we yeah. can't we can't call it out in our own uh yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of Americans who listen to us, people uh, in, in the states, and and I can only imagine that this kind of thing feels all too familiar. We're not mm-hmm. saying the states is Iran, you know, yeah. but but uh, uh, I just don't I just don't like theocracy. Yeah. That's it. That's mm-hmm. what it. Regardless of the religion of it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Before we ended today's show, we were going to talk about. Um, Resley, there was we, we we have letters, but we we're, we're not going to do letters today. But there was one in particular. Yeah, there was that one caught your eye, and you really wanted to yeah. talk about. Yeah, I, it did because we were talking about uh, women's rights and rights in general, and racism and just race in general and prejudice uh, that is um, we've received as immigrants and as a na- in, in in the Iranian diaspora and as just as a nation of immigrants Iranians but one thing that we uh, well specifically i should mention we we ran a clip of an interview that we've done with Tehran yes who is a black Iranian comedian and in That's the right. in the clip he kind of says i get it from all sides because yeah. i'm a black Iranian mm-hmm. named Tehran and yeah. Um, and we were talking about intra-Iranian community racism. That 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 is correct. I- Iranians will be racist towards him, yeah. even though he's Iranian, but yeah. because of the color of his skin. And what I'd like to do is to draw um, um, a, a, a through line between what um, uh, Tehran is. Uh, his experience going through and the experience of very many Shahristanis in Iran, people from smaller cities, not the capital, Tehran. Uh, Afghan immigrants and refugees who lived in Iran for years and years and uh, because it's very easy to think because uh, since Tehran is a black half Iranian American that is getting it from all sides 
is just, oh my God, poor Tehran. Like you want to feel bad for him. However, it's another thing to think about the fact that Tehran is not just, an, Tehran is just an example. The idea of, the, of racism towards Iranian, I think starts from Iranian towards Iranian. And on that note, we got a letter from um, um, a, a lady, a, a woman from Iran, ZHR.ISM. She commented on that, on Tehran's clip. And in Farsi, she wrote the letter entirely in Farsi. I want to read it in Farsi. Um, and halfway through the letter, because uh, I'm from Shiraz uh, originally. I'm not, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in Tehran. Mm -hmm. I, my uncle lived in, in Tehran. I only visited a couple of times. But, and I lived in a very diverse neighborhood. Uh, my neighborhood was, uh, my friends were Jewish, uh, Khuzestanis, um, uh, uh, all from all sorts, uh, all yes. parts of Iran. Arabs, really you Arabs yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, Arabs, Khuzestani, Arab Khuzestanis, and, and Baha'is. So I, that's why I, Toronto for me feels like home because it, it is a melting pot that I'm used to. Okay. I grew up in that mahalle. However, I also, after a little while, when you grow, when you grow a little older, your so does your environment. So I went outside of my mahalle, mm -hmm. my neighborhood, and I went to the city, and I realized that what this letter says is very, very true. And I experienced it firsthand, and I'd like to read it and um, think about it, discuss it, and I like people to comment on this too, and because I, I like to see, I like to hear other people's opinions personally. Okay. I want to know. I want to. I want to leave it for discussion to see. You can read it in Persian. Yeah, I want to read it in Persian. How will Keon understand what you're saying? Keon can ask questions. <laughs> We're gonna have me. a Q and A after the show. I use you as a. I project <laughs> my own insecurities <laughs> on you. <laughs> we will have a rock Q and A just for Keon after no, that. No, I, 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 I'm sure Keon and I will yes. do our yes. best to understand. Go ahead. For sure. sure so, I will understand. Not uh, sure about yeah. Keon. Man, what's about That's right. Okay, so Zahra.ism wrote this letter that says, "Bale, Nejat Parasti bidad mikone tu Iran." شماها ایرانی هستید ولی ایران نبودید ببینید چه خبره دختر ایرانی باشی و کمی سبزه نجات پرستی رو تحمل میکنیم وای به وقتی که اهل ملیت های دیگه باشی یا قومیت های خاصی که ازت جک بسازن کاکو یا شهرستانی تو تهران باشی and that's the letter that wow. ends right there. The However, way, the way you read it, I thought it was written by Iraq yeah. no, no. I think yeah. we need music. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. No, like it, a really, movie. it really resonated with me. And the reason I read it with the Shirazi accent halfway through, she, she doesn't specify where she's from, this, uh, the writer of this comment. And it doesn't matter, irrelevant. She makes a very interesting point. point. I'm from Shahar Islam. Mm. I'm from Shiraz. And to <laughs> judge people. Shiraz is considered Shahristan? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Any s that's 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 what I'm Any talking about. Any city that's about. not that not yeah, Tehran. That's not Tehran. Sharistan. It's so the wow. It's even if it's a, a big major city like Shiraz. Yeah, even if it's Kalan Shahr, they even say it. Kalan Shahr means the uh, like a great like city of Toronto. It's like Kalan Shahr, the greater uh, Toronto area, right? Metro. They s metropolitan. So they say Kalan Shahr Esfahan or Shiraz, but, but they it's still Sharistan, mm -hmm. and it's a status thing purely. Which, um, yeah, it's it's very. So, so are there no? Uh, so, so why don't you translate the for yeah. folks who? Mm -hmm. That's a very actually a good idea. And and are there no Sabze people in Tehran? 
there are Zabza people in Tehran. And there are a lot of Sabza cute people in Tehran that don't get discriminated against. Because they're not from Shahristan. Because they're not from Shahristan. So it's a geographic thing rather not, than not, a color not, thing? Not always. Not always. That's what I'm saying. It's not just one element. Okay, go that ahead and explain that. With but we shouldn't to even explain translate what sa- the letter, is, yeah. yeah. So it says, the translation of the letter says, yes, racism is full. It, sorry, I'm going to read that again. Yes, Iran is also full of racism. You guys are Iranian, but you never lived in Iran, which is, Zahrajan is not entirely untrue. I lived in Iran most of my life. To see what's going on. If you're an Iranian girl and you got a, a little bit of a darker skin tone, you tolerate racism or prejudice towards you. But it gets even harder if you're from another nationality. My, this is me, me I'm assuming she's referring to Afghanis in Iran or from a different city in Iran other than Tehran. Then they make jokes about you, they make fun of you to your face and behind, behind your back, and it's tough to tolerate. So that's the essence hmm. of the... Why do you think she specifies if you're an Iranian girl? Is there a difference? Do Iranian well, girls get more I think natu- prejudice than, than Sabze males? Well, naturally, whoever has lesser rights, right, survival of the fittest, is gonna as a result of oppression is gonna get the short end of the stick. Mm. So it's not it it right, like I experienced that even in Iran. Like you speak with an accent, they're like ah, like you said that mm. word funny or whatever. It doesn't phase me because I got other things going for me that it doesn't affect my self confidence. But a girl that is not is coming from a low income family, educated, cultured family but can't afford buying the luxury brand Louis Vuitton. Reads um, 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 J.D. Salinger, but can't afford to go to the concert of Aliyah, uh, not Aliyah, whatever, like in Iran, <laughs> someone who has a concert mm-hmm. in Iran, and has an accent. Now, she is automatically perceived as low-class, dahati, from, like, you know, which in, is... Intra-Iranian racism. Intra-Iranian but, racism. Um, but which is not simply you're saying it's not simply based on uh on color no. it's based on i, th- I don't class think, yeah. and yes and geographic also, location and also i have to say like uh, it's um i'm tehrani and so once a lot of times when i travel to like uh, shahristan um Actually, they would make fun of me, mm-hmm. so I have to mm-hmm. say that it's not only oh. true. It's true. Like batch of fool, or you it's know, true. and also inside Tehran, like you're seen as privileged somehow or something. Yeah, yeah. It's a de- entitled. It, it's, it's 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 a defense mechanism. He's trying to attack you before you get to attack him, and he doesn't even know what he's why he's doing it. Right? It's and sh- like Shaya, the sweetest soul on and planet uh, Earth. <laughs> you know, no, that it's serious. And also, it's a serious and also inside Tehran, like different areas of Tehran, like the northern Tehran, they would make fun of southern mm-hmm. Tehran. And it's, 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 it's. I, I think it's beyond racism. It's just we don't accept anyone. <laughs> it's division. That's yeah. what I was saying earlier. Like to tie it back to what I was saying, I think. One thing that now United States can add to the things they have in common with Iran, aside from division amongst nation, is lesser rights for women. So congratulations. Well, yeah, they, I mean, the, that's a return. The yes. United States is returning to the way it was in some ways. Uh, but uh, this, this, this racism that um, I've often said, I mean, Iranians are, are um, 
we we tend to exhibit a lot of we did a, done a couple of shows on this a lot of racism like there's very very few um countries or ethnicities that we don't that there aren't jokes about that there aren't sort of yeah. um horrible kind of slangy slurs that to come out about uh, and sometimes it's just in the tone like it's not even you're not actually saying something bad but you can tell they're mm. you know this this you know yeah. arab person walked into the and they just say the yeah. line yeah i'd be mad and everybody, mm-hmm. oh you know we kind of making fun of them yeah. um and uh so and and then within iran yeah i remember wasn't there always like jokes about when i was a kid about like rash or something like yeah. they, they make ev- fun of yeah, but here's the thing not to because i know a lot of people are going to be like baba halaya joke no 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 this, this is not to be uh, misconstrued with the with the notion that we want to joke about like different different things in life our differences mm-hmm. and celebrate our differences mm-hmm. through comedy mm-hmm. and we do have that here we make jokes about newfies yeah. we make jokes about Boston like the United States like everybody makes it and it's okay for as long as it's within the context it gets uncomfortable and to me it's it's not like it's it's crossed the it crosses the line when you actually mean it you know i thought it was just the color of your skin i just i know no. in iranian culture like with relatives whenever i would tan be like ah like to them that's the ultimate yeah. beauty my mom is like that too. And surat like, Porsche, like oh. having a big face is attractive for, apparently you know super p who just came from mashad a year ago uh, she's got like a tan right now, and I was like, "Oh, you got a tan." I know. And she was like, "Yeah, I know, it's terrible." <laughs> and I was like, "No, you got to get rid of that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only Iranians are the people who think this is bad, you yeah. know. <laughs> Although, uh, as someone who you know, I know that Reza, you and and Shai, you guys have spent time in in South uh, yeah, Southeast Thailand. Asia. It's the it's the same thing it's in same Vietnam thing. or in in Thailand or in Cambodia. They, they value. System. In fact, sometimes they put yes. white paint on their face. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and you'll be you'll you'll be in somewhere like Cambodia, and you'll be around all these amazingly wonderfully colored faces, you know. And then you'll look up a billboard, and the 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 billboard will be like a Cambodian face, yeah. but but she's got like super white skin. You know, uh, that's what they're selling as the ideal beauty. You know, I know it's so almost it's, looks fake. But that's like. But I, so we we're part of the Iranians are part of that thing. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it a bunch on the even my mother. See, oh, should he? You know, <laughs> like <laughs> that's what I'm aspiring to, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I want as deep a tan as I can get. Yeah, you know? that's what my mom is like too. She's like Sefido Topoli. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's always good. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thanks, uh, thanks for the the conversation. Thanks to you guys for writing to us, uh, and please keep keep that coming info at rookmedia.com is where you can send letters info at rookmedia.com or um, post on any of our platforms any comments ideas this is full time for rook for today remember our website rookmedia.com r-o-q-e media.com is where you can find all of our programming thanks to the amazing team who put this show together Savvy Rohan talented Anahita Ponsa, the artist, the fabulous Keon, Super Parisa, Smart Pega, Ahoy Merdad, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shaya. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you have not done so already on any or all of our platforms. Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Happy birthday, Shaya. Shaya Shoja. Shaya Shoja. Shaya Reza. Reza Shaya Shoja. Reza Let's party, Shia, like <laughs> it's 1999. <laughs> In the meantime, everybody, 
پلیز ازتون خواهش میکنم right? میزون باشی میزون باشی